She probably does think that when you touch her, you're making her dirty. <laughs> I think when she touches you, you, she's making you dirty. So wash your hands. Where you stick them in your mouths, preferably. <clears throat> morning, church. Good morning, church. We are grateful that you are present this morning. Would you turn, look around and say hello to somebody near you? If you're sharing a row all by yourself, look behind you or in front of you. Just, uh, if you don't know their name, tell them yours. Maybe they'll give you theirs back. <clears throat> Today I want to talk to you from the topic that will come up on the screen in a minute. Oh, there it is. Sorry, sometimes this thing doesn't, doesn't just do what I tell it to do. So, so close. Have you ever been so close? You know, when I would uh, take a piece of paper, wad it up, we were studying together with a friend, and I would toss it for the, ba- for the trash can. If I missed, it was always, oh, so close. So close. So close only really counts if you miss, right? So close isn't really even brought up if you make it, because you made it. So close is one of those things we say when we've missed by just a little bit. So close. There's a, there's, a, there's a so close element in Scripture over and over and over again. It actually is in the preaching of Jesus. So close. Just so close. But before we do that, I want to I wanna read the last thing first. So you will know where we're headed so you won't miss by that much. All right? Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read from 14 down uh, to 19. It says this in the New King James. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul writing to the Ephesians. From whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. Through His Spirit in the inner man or woman. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Catch the last line. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Join me for a moment of prayer. Father, we are grateful that we are able to gather together today online and here present in the building. We ask that all of us might hear from your spirit, not this preacher, and that the words translated into our hearts might be the words that you wish to have freighted and delivered right to our door, right to our heart, yourself personally. That we would take us to the step that you want us to take, that you would move us along the path you want us to move, that after we finish our time here this Sabbath, we will be closer to you than we were before. I pray these things and for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So here's that last bit again, verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I read a different translation for you there, just a slightly different way of saying the same thing. But then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want you to catch that piece the most. I want you to understand and hold on to that phrase. This all comes from God. The source of all of these things is God. And that is an indwelling possibility for you. That indwelling possibility of the presence of God is a real thing for you. You can have that experience. Don't miss this by that much. Don't miss this so close. Because to miss this is to miss everything. And I want to take you through a little bit of the the presentation of this in Scripture. So I wanted to share some texts with you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but a little bit to to kind of give us a a, a bit of the weight of it, a bit of of the anchors that are present. So here we are in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 14, this is New King James Version, N-K-J-V, New King James Version. Now after John was put in prison. So when is this? What, What just happened? You can answer. John was put in prison. After John was put in prison, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. You find this in the scripture all over the place. Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what is the gospel of the kingdom of God? What is the gospel of the kingdom of God? What is the good news of the kingdom of God? It doesn't explain it. It just says that's what he's doing. Now we can look around at the preaching of Jesus and the storytelling of Jesus and it begins to build a picture, but I want you to just put that in your mind. What what was Jesus actually teaching? What is the good news of the kingdom of God? Here in Mark 1 verse 15, saying the time is fulfilled. So Jesus is now speaking, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. What do you mean when something is at hand? It's nearby. It's nearby. I could reach it with my arms, is what it means. Right? I could get, get my hands on it. I could grab it. I could, I could get a hold of it. So if I'm standing at my workbench and my hammer is at hand, I can grab it. I don't have to move to get my hammer. I don't open drawers. I don't have to go dig it out of something. It's right there at hand. It's somewhere nearby. It's at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Then he says, repent and believe the gospel. So here's Jesus preaching. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within reach, right? So you got that? The kingdom of God is within reach. So if it was within reach and you missed it, you missed it by that much. It was that close. It was so possible for them to attain it, and yet some of them missed it. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Remember what repent means? Repent is best, best discovered by how you're walking. Repent means you're going in this direction, and now you've changed direction and gone in the direction God wants you to go in. It might, for some of us, be a full 180. That we have to go in the opposite direction from the right life we were leading. Some of us might be leading a life that's pretty much trying to follow God, but He's still asking us to repent of the things that we are wandering away on. The, the compass heading isn't quite right, and if your compass heading is off, you're not getting where you're heading. So we ask you to reset your compass heading and get it lined up in the right place. Get it going in the right direction. We once missed a comp- compass heading by one minute. So it's... Uh, 
if you're looking at degrees and minutes when you're setting up a compass heading, we missed it by one minute. So it's 60 minutes in a degree. So we missed it by one minute. And by setting it off by one minute, we wandered off in the wrong direction for an entire day. And it took us another day, day and a half to get back on track just to be back going in the direction we wanted to be on compass and in the right direction. So if you looked at the log that was on that trip, it was, goes along just fine. And then there's this jog in it like a, little, like a little shark's tooth where we went off and came back because we had taken the wrong compass heading just a little bit, one tiny little error in math, and off we went in the wrong direction. If, you set your, if your life is going on course, and I, I, I want to speak to you if you've been following God for a while or attempting to follow God for a while. Sometimes we put a whole bunch of things in our life that we think will help us follow God, but they're not quite on course. They're just off a little bit. And the longer we go in that direction, just off a little bit, the more correction that needs to be made to get back on course. Make sense? It takes longer to get back. Remember when Jesus' parents lost Jesus in the temple? They took them three days to find him. That's what it feels like in our spiritual life. You get off a little bit. You start letting yourself believe that if you just do all the right stuff, then God will like you. And you'll get off and you'll start wondering and you'll start thinking, well, why doesn't he like me? I keep trying to do the right thing and he's not liking me. What is God, what is God mad at me for something? You have to repent of that and come back on, on track. He said, repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Jesus is saying to him, the kingdom of heaven is within reach. Repent. Change the direction that you're in, headed in currently. The Pharisees had believed that they could attain oneness with God through knowledge and practice. Catch this. The Pharisees believed that they could attain oneness with God through knowledge and practice. Is that the gospel? Does the gospel say that if you have enough information, you can be saved? So you're not saved by information. Be really aware of this because it's easy to fall into this trap because you read your Bible and you say, man, there's got to be some merit to this. There is a merit to this. Your life has changed. But you're not earning any brownie points with God. Except that he loves it when your life gets on track with him. So knowledge isn't what saves you. So they thought that if they learned enough, and if they practiced all the right things, then they would be able to attain oneness with God. And Jesus tells that very group. Now, are either of these things bad? Is it bad to want information about God? No, of course not. Is it bad to try to practice the things of God? No, of course not. But they, they made a wrong conclusion. They added one and one and came up with nine. They said, if I practice properly and if I learn the right things, then I will be one with God. No. No. If you repent and believe the gospel, if you go and follow after God and believe that you are saved by His grace because of His love, and empowered through his sacrifice. If you believe those things, then you achieve oneness with God. And then practice is good, and information is good. But oneness with God is a different direction. So he tells them, repent, change your direction, and realign yourself with the good news. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus' bit of preaching is repent and believe the gospel. So now you've heard what Jesus is preaching in this gospel of the kingdom. It's, a, it's not an earth-shatteringly new thing, is it? Hopefully you've all heard it because the disciples will repeat this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. The whole, the whole of the expression of the New Testament after the Gospels 
is the disciples teaching people in different ways this thing. Peter gets up on the the, the first sermon that he preaches to the masses and he says, Repent, be baptized, follow Jesus. 3,000 people chose to do it that day. What a day that must that have been. And you know know what's funny? They had 3,000 new believers and they did not build a church. What were they thinking? Moving on. But I want to get back to this is at hand. So look around you. Because you look around you because some of you are sitting close to other people. Look around you and look at what's at hand. If you're, if you're a mom or a dad, how many kids can you reach? If your spouse is there, can you get a, all the way around the other side and still be at hand? What is at hand for you? If you're, if you're sitting between two people and neither of them are related to you, be careful about where you put those hands. But just imagine where those hands would reach. Most of you, these chairs are kind of wide, so most of you could at least get a chair in each direction, don't you think? So you could cover, with your, with your arm span, three chairs worth, right? So three chairs would be at hand. The gospel, the good news, the kingdom of God was that close, this far. Nobody seems to be as excited about this as I am. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus again preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What does he say again? It's at hand. It's this far. It's at hand. Luke chapter 10, the disciples are being told by Jesus to go out and preach. Go out two by two and preach to the people around you. Go out two by two and preach. The kingdom of God has come. Near. You know why I do this to Liz? Because she's little and she can't hurt me. (laughs) I'm not going to pick somebody bigger. Also, she's not easily embarrassed. It's near. He said, it's near. Go tell these people. You 12, spread out. Go out, preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Do all the great things that I've asked you to do. Oh, and by the way, tell them the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. They're missing it by this much. They're just about there, but they're just a half a bubble off. So close. So close. The kingdom of God has come near. Luke chapter 17. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees. Now, who's he being asked by now? The Pharisees. So now we're talking about a group of people who have been pretty much the opponents of Jesus. Is that fair? If we see that? Okay. When the kingdom of God would come, they asked him, when was the kingdom of God going to come? And he said to them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You're not going to see it rolling in here. The kingdom of God is not going to roll up in in a limo and get out and walk down the red carpet. The kingdom of God is not going to be just something you see in the material world. That's a problem. We live in a material world. You guys are just not getting any of these. (laughs) Doesn't count if I had to tell you. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. It does not come. It's not something we're going to just see happening. The kingdom of God is going to come differently. Nor will anyone say, see, here it is, or over there it is. You're not going to, that's not how this is going to work. He said, instead, indeed, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Now it was at hand, 
Then it was near, and now it's in the midst of you. You're rubbing shoulders with it. It's touching you. It's right in the middle of you. It's that person sitting next to you. It's that person on the side of your row. It may be your spouse or your child, but the kingdom of God is right in the midst of you. It was at hand, then it was near, and now it's in the midst of you. The, 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 the teaching to the Pharisees was not that the kingdom was far off or hard to reach or needed a lot more information so they could figure it out. It was right in the midst of them. How was it? How is the kingdom of God so close? It was right there. There's some fascinating stories. Fascinating stories. I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed by the stories where Jesus is in the temple for the irony of it. So many times Jesus is standing in the temple and people there who are officially in charge of something start picking on him because he's desecrated this place where God is, and God is actually the person they're talking to. The irony of that always gets me. It always makes me smile just a little bit. There they are claiming that Jesus is somehow desecrating the temple. Something bad is going to happen because look at what you're doing. And look who you are. I wonder if it struck any of those priests who later converted, any of those leaders of the temple who later converted, that they had been... They had been calling out Jesus for misbehavior in the temple. I once was in a wedding with about nine, well, not that many, about five pastors. It was actually my wedding. <laughs> Might figure out how that would work. Most of the people I knew were preachers. And so we were all lined up on the stage. We hadn't seen anybody. It, it, we hadn't see, seen each other for a while. Some of them it had been about a year. Some of them about a month and a half. And so we were really were enjoying kind of catching up and everything. So we're standing up there, and this poor wedding coordinator lady, she was not having a good day because these preachers would not stand on their spot. She got us all lined up, and as soon as she got us lined up, somebody would walk over to the other side to talk to the other guy, say, how are things, you know? And they would, they, she would chase us back to our spot. This went on for about, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes of her just trying to get us lined up for practice. All she was trying to do was get, get the preachers to stand still on the platform. She didn't know that most of the problem people there were preachers. The other people, the regular people who aren't used to standing up here, were standing still and doing what they were told, but the preachers were just wandering around. They just kept going back and forth and chatting with each other. She got a little more pink, and then a little more pink, and then she let us have it. What's wrong with you? Have you never stood on the platform in a church before? That was the problem. They were pretty comfortable on the platform of a church. Jesus was right in the midst of the sanctuary and people were calling him out for doing the wrong thing. So what kind of guy are you? You're messing around in here. You've chased out those people. They need to be here. And oh, by the way, you've let a bunch of kids and a bunch of cripples in here, and they're not even supposed to be here. What's wrong with you? The Messiah has left the building, and he's standing in the courtyard. God is not in behind the veil. He's right there in the midst of everything. He was at hand 
reach. He was near, and then he was in the midst, standing there among the Pharisees as they're gathered around so they can all hear the answer to the question, is the kingdom of God embodied in the person of Jesus Christ? The gospel of the kingdom is what is revealed in Christ God sent His Son into the world in His his human form to reveal the character of God, the exact representation of God in human form. He walked around the streets, and when He found people who were sick or people who were in need, some who were dead, He actually healed them, raised the dead people, met the needs of people He bumped into on the street, interrupted things like funerals, walked into homes where mourning was going on and told everybody, stop mourning, she's just sleeping. A, A woman touches his garment and she's healed of something that's been bothering her for 12 years. He walks up and faces, as we talked about last week, a demonic man who's frightened everybody around him. Jesus has come to the earth to reveal who God is. The gospel of the kingdom is standing there in the midst of them and they don't see it at all. You know why? Because they're seeking information and practice as a manner to reach God and there he stands and they can't hear him. So close. They were breathing on him. He knew what they had for lunch. He knew who had brushed their teeth. So close. Right there in the midst of them. When Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Remember this, remember this part? It's the end of Jesus' life. He's there in the praetorium, which might as well be an anteroom on the temple. It's built right on the side of the wall. He's there talking to Pilate. He says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers him in a different way. My kingdom is not of this world. Get the words. My kingdom is not of this world. He didn't say my kingdom is not in this world. Because he was the kingdom in this world. The kingdom was already growing. Disciples were converting. People were following. The kingdom was already getting a good, strong start. There were people within Israel who had converted and come over and started following Christ and accepting the gospel. They had repented, changed direction, and accepted and believed the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus was preaching. And now when he's, when he's talking to Pilate, and Pilate wants to know, are you some kind of a rebelling, revolutionary king? The real, the real question here is, do I have to worry about you? Do I need to call the guards? Jesus said, no, 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 no. You have, you have the wrong picture. I have a kingdom, but it's not a material kind of a place. It's not a material kind of a kingdom. It's not a kingdom of politics. It's not a kingdom of authority. It's not a kingdom of power. It's so easy in the present world when news is breaking all the time to jump on some kind of a political train and believe we're representing the kingdom, and we're not, because that's not the kingdom. Politics is not kingdom business. This kingdom has no politics. One being tried to run against God for kingship, And we're still dealing with that mess. And the Bible tells us at the end of the day 
that hell is prepared for the devil and his angels, that revolution isn't going to work. The kingdom is not of this world. We need to be a little careful about that. It's easy because we are of this world to be so invested in something that we believe about how things should be done. That was an important sentence. It is so easy to get invested in something we believe is really, really important in this material world. And to misrepresent the kingdom that is not of this world by our actions. By our anger. Or by my personal favorite, sarcasm. Sarcasm seems a little holier than anger, doesn't it? Make a little snide remark. Throw a little, little chuckle in there. Sideways glance. You can say a lot with a glance. But we end up misrepresenting the kingdom that's not of this world because we're so bought into the kingdom that is of this world. Be careful. I've been telling you this for probably four years now since we all got kind of crazy with the politics of the last couple of rounds. Picked a side, fought everybody on the other side. Be careful with this. Remember that the kingdom you, re- you really represent is not of this world. Be careful about getting caught in... <laughs> I get paid to talk. Be careful about getting so caught up in the kingdom of this world and the values of this world and the needs of this world that you miss out on the kingdom that is not of this world. My kingdom's not of this world, Pilate. Don't sweat that. The revolution I'm starring, starting is a heart revolution. The transformation I'm starting changes you at such a root level that it changes everything, even your interest in politics. Even your frustration about being occupied by the Romans. It's all going to change. Because something inside you is different. I'll stop there. I could go on meddling about this for a while. But let me just move on to what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. I've explained repent. Change your course. And believe in the gospel. Repent. And believe in the good news of the kingdom. Well, what's the good news of the kingdom, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked. The good news of the kingdom is that you don't have to get there on your own. The good news of the kingdom is that Jesus paid the price. He punched the ticket and sent you on your way. The good news of the kingdom is that when you choose to be in the kingdom, he writes your name on the docket. You become a member of the kingdom even though you're not behaving like it yet. He makes you a part of the family, not just a servant in the house. You get adopted when you're called into this kingdom. The good news of the kingdom is that that person who's walking around Galilee, that person who's strolling the streets of Jerusalem, is the exact representation of God in human flesh. The good news of the kingdom is that the kingdom is a revelation of the heart of God 
on the planet in the person of Jesus. What's happening in that moment is the revelation of the God, of the heart of God in the person of Jesus. I always worry when I'm preaching about stuff like this. Because it's easy to say to yourself, I've heard that already. And not be gobstruck by what it means. Not let the truth of the fact that God visited our planet in order to rescue us hit you. Not let the reality that forgiveness is available no matter what needs to be forgiven, to not let that overwhelm you. To not realize that you are loved by God to the point that He chose death over your absence. It's so easy when we're, when we're kind of thinking we're in a review process to miss depth of the beauty of what's being said in the text. The kingdom of God is in your midst. Take a second. Don't look up here for a second. Look around because the kingdom of God is still in your midst. Maybe not in the person of Jesus in the physical body, but in the physical body of the person next to you physical body of the follower who sits near you. The physical body of the person who sold out for Jesus who occupies the same space with you right now. The kingdom of God is also in your midst, in our midst right now. The value of the person next to you is multiplied by the presence of the Holy Spirit in them and the power of Jesus in them and the kingdom representation that they are. By grace, you have been saved through faith that this is not your, of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Good news. Good news. Good news. You're saved by grace, by trusting in it, by trusting in the one providing it. Not of works. Not of good practice or good information. Nobody gets to boast about getting this right. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which He, God, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, the gospel is the covering of your life forever. But the gospel is also transformational in its presence in your life. And if you've been a Christian for very long, you know it's true. God starts to move you in a direction 
But I want you to catch that this was what you were prepared for all along. This is a restoration of something, not an addition of something. This is a restoration of something, not an addition of something. This is a restoration of what it was like to walk with God before. Not an addition of something to get you to God's side, because you're already on His side. I want you to see it. I, 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 almost, I, I rarely ever preach verse 10. Because as soon as I preach verse 10, somebody says, Aha, at last, the measuring line to get to God. There it is. No, it isn't. This is simply a restoration of what a relationship with God was supposed to be like. Once you are covered by His grace, not of works lest anyone should boast. Nobody gets to brag about this. He begins to restore in you the walk that makes your presence in the kingdom more obvious to those around you if you follow this argument through to the, to the next chapter, you will find Paul saying that the church is representing the massive, oh, almost incomprehensible wisdom of God. And it is doing so in such a way that the wisdom of God is being declared not just on the planet, but as the planet is being revealed, is revealing God's, God's rightness, God's right choices, God's character to the watching principalities and powers. Read it in chapter 3. It's big. The kingdom of God is in your midst and you get to participate in the values and the practices that changed you. And the change becomes a testimony of the character of God. Your change says He was right. I hate almost to bring all this up because I just, I don't go away thinking that that you have some merit, some meritorious opportunity to make God like you more. He died for you for goodness sakes. He already likes you plenty. But God prepared beforehand an opportunity for your life to get better. Here's how we usually say it around here. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, overflowing more than you need. Abundance is more than just enough. Abundance is so much more. I'm not going to say it. Find your own way to leather boots. God's purpose in all of this, here you go, church, was to use the church to display His wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. always just quit looking at me look at the screen 
God's purpose in all of this. The character of God was tested and checked. The character of God was in question. And he chose you to sit in the witness stand for him. I probably wouldn't have chosen you. I wouldn't have chosen me either. I know we're a mess. But he says to the universe, watch them. Yeah, I know they're a mess too. Watch them. As they choose to follow me, their life's going to improve. Watch. Their crazy little ant life will get better. It'll be more abundant when they choose me. And when they choose me and the abundance happens, you'll see that I was right all the time and and the, the questioning of my character was ridiculous from the beginning. He chose to let you in the witness stand. Let me sit in the witness stand when his character was being questioned. gospel of the kingdom is that the kingdom reveals the character of God in Christ and in your neighbor and in you. I am very, very rarely at a loss for something to say, but there is nothing to add. Except for the phone. According to the riches of the glory, He may grant you to be strengthened. Paul is praying, I fall on my knees and this is what I ask, that according to the riches of God's glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. The kingdom of God is near at hand, but if the king is in you, it's in you. And if the kingdom is in your wife, it's in her. If the kingdom is in your kids, it's in them. That the spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend what all the saints, with all the saints, what is the breadth, and length, and height, and depth, and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled. Filled. That you may be filled. It's no longer at hand. It's no longer nearby. It's no longer right in the middle of the circle. You may be filled with the fullness of God. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news that the character of God is revealed 
presence of God is within. Let's pray. I don't know why, Lord, you would ask us to be part of this because you know what we're like. We are aware that all of our righteousness is as a filthy rag. One so filthy we wouldn't pick it up but throw it in the washer. But because of the covering of your grace and the presence of your spirit, you're moving us. Sometimes we don't see the movement, Lord. Sometimes all we can see is our weakness and our fallacy and our mistakes and our sinfulness. Thank you. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for being willing to make the ultimate sacrifice so that we could actually have a choice. It's so easy for us to slip back toward darkness. Darkness shouts out of the shadows, it's more fun here. Under ear hears those calls, Lord, help us not to wander that direction. Help us to choose the light and not the darkness. Help us to choose faith in you, your revelation, your desire for our benefit and our blessing over all the others who say they had a better way. Thank you that it is even possible for you to dwell in us. Lord, help us never, help us to never overlook that. And please help us always to be astonished by it. In Jesus' name.